Come on in to Margaret McSweeney's Kitchen for Kitchen Chat, where every week you'll meet chefs, cookbook authors, foodies, gourmets, and just plain people who love to eat. And along with laughter, chat, recipes, and stories about food, you'll sometimes also hear words of inspiration, love, and hope. As Margaret always says, kitchen chat is food for the senses and food for the soul. So grab a cup of coffee, put your feet up on a comfy chair, and get ready to spend a little time with Margaret and her friends. Hello, dear foodie friends, and welcome to Kitchen Chat. I'm your host, Margaret McSweeney, and I'm so glad you're joining me in the Viking Lock Carnoose showroom here at the Merchandise Mart with the fabulous co-host, Chef Jamie Larita. How you doing, guys? Yes, he is the brand ambassador and creative director for Viking and Middleby. And I am just so excited, Jamie, to have one of my favorite chefs here today. We share just such special history. We'll chat about Chef Gail Gann. James Beard, award winner for Outstanding Pastry Chef, Food Network star for eight years on um, Sweet Dreams, a very prolific cookbook author. You can see the display here. We'll leave links and everything. But welcome to Kitchen Chat. Thank you so much for having me on. There's nothing I like better than chatting. So this is the perfect place for me to be. How fun. There was just an event that was hosted here in the showroom. And Jamie, it was so exciting to actually make a bacon-wrapped shrimp dish. You made it. Well, you could. Well, you made it. It <laughs> well, was from your cookbook. I yes. caught you guys. Yes. yes. Yeah, but, but you were in the kitchen with us, which is super fun. That's yeah, which cookbook did that come from? Uh, actually, that one's not in a book yet, oh, so that'll oh. be in the next book. Okay, because now we're talking about book number eight is what we were talking about mostly today was her latest book called yeah. Lunch. Yeah, Gail Gann's Lunch. Gail Gann's Lunch. Gail, tell yeah. us about this amazing collection of cookbooks. One of the things that I love about being a chef and being friends with Gail Gant is she told me today that I'm allowed after three times of giving her the credit <laughs> that I'm allowed to take credit for her recipe. Yes, the third time you make a recipe, you own it. Okay, fine. You, you don't have to say like, oh, this is Gail Gant's recipe. You can say... This is my recipe. Right. Well, you know, I love your you, books. If yes. you've gone to the trouble to make it three times, yes. you know, at least you should get the cred for it at that point. Well, I think after three times, too, it, it becomes a little bit more of your recipe because there's like certain things. Like I add a little bit of this and a little bit yeah, of that. Yeah, or even just like how you measure might be slightly different yeah. than how I do. So your version is going to be a little bit different than mine. Right. So you own it. Well, the thing I love most about Gail Gann's books are, like most cookbooks, the pictures are beautiful. But do the recipes work? They actually weirdly work well, that's compared why. to a lot of other recipe books. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Which is why, because I would cook from other people, and I'm not naming names, but I would cook from cookbooks, Ooh, I just and recipes <laughs> would not come out. I'm like, this is so wrong. Right. Like, how can this, you know, famous prolific chef not have recipes that have been tested? And you know what? I'm going to test my recipes. And so I actually have my recipes tested by my girlfriends who are not professional chefs. They don't have, you know, fancy pants kitchens like you or I have probably. I have a Viking kitchen, of course. My kitchen's fancy. Yeah. It's so a, are my pants. So. And they don't have, like, fancy cookware. Right. Uh, that's who's cooking for my books. So well, that's I really make sure smart. that they work. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's smart. Guys. Well, those are the people that are going to be purchasing your cookbook yes. and, and using the recipes. And that's who's emailing me with questions or, you know, who's coming to my classes to work with me more. So, I, you know, that's who I love. Of cooking is the home cook. So what is, I guess, the most popular question or the most asked question that you get? One of the most Gail? asked questions I get is how do I make my chocolate chip cookies chewy? Everyone wants big and chewy chocolate chip cookies. And how cookies. do you? <laughs> you gotta, you know, buy okay. my book. Gotta for buy that. the book. Yes. Another one I get, which we talked about today, like, 
how do you make brownies fudgy versus how do you make them cakey? Mm-hmm. So that's a, a product of extra egg or not extra egg. In mm-hmm. it. So things like that. So, you know, it's fundamental baking questions. But I get a lot of, too, you know, my, my pie crust is tough. What did I do wrong? And there's usually, like, three little things they do wrong, and we can correct those three things either online or you can come to one of my pie camps and we can fix it there. It's like the easy therapy, like the 101 stuff of baking. So those are some of the common ones. Jamie, I want to go to a pie camp. I'm ready to go. Oh, my goodness. We have a camp song. You write letters home to your parents. Guys, it's true. People have, like, pie problems. They do. And they have pie anxiety. They have high, high Hold anxiety. Hold on. They have high anxiety. High anxiety. <laughs> high anxiety. Right. There's a word in there. But there you, is. like, solve all the... Well, because there's, there's sort of common things that everybody does wrong. One what's the, the one? What's the most? The main one is that they mix their fat in too long. You know, most cookbooks will say, like, mix it till they're pea-sized. Right. To the butter or the shortening or the lard is pea-sized. And I want to retract that and say chickpea size. Oh. So you want to leave it even bigger. The deal with pie crust is there's, you know, hunks of butter or fat in it. That butter or fat has a little bit of water in it. So butter has, it's 82% fat and 18% something else, and a lot of that's water. When water gets in the oven and gets over 212 degrees, it turns to steam. Steam needs to get out. It pushes its way out, and it makes that flake. It makes that chamber of air. And that's what you're looking for in pie dough. So if your fat is bigger, if it's chickpea size, you're going to get like a bigger flake. Oh, that makes total if sense. If you mix it in too much, yeah. you get like a sandy texture. Absolutely. Which sometimes you want. Like right. with, you know, French sable, you want a sandy texture. Right. Um, but with American style pie dough, you do not. So a lot of it is just, you know, shut that mixer off sooner than you think. I okay. love today learning that uh, Gail has a Viking kitchen. I've always had Viking kitchens and we were cooking in Viking ovens today. So I was really excited that you're using our brand and that makes me happy. You know, I'm always a fan of, and I always talk about your ingredients and your tools. How do you feel about that? Your ingredients and how important is the, how important are the ingredients? For in other words, one butter butter versus the next kind of butter. Well, for me, um, you know, I wrote a book called Butter, Sugar, Flour, Eggs. And that was sort of me coming out of the closet about my love affair with my ingredients. I have like a intimate relationship with my ingredients and how they react and how they act and their consistency, you know, as a pastry chef. A lot of what I do is chemistry and physics. And it doesn't, that doesn't change. The universe never lets you change that. So you need to sort of understand that part of the language before you try to improv, before you go beyond that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I have this like funny relationship with my ingredients. And they're all very alive to me. Mm -hmm. Before I was a cook, I was a silver and goldsmith. And so I was manipulating metal, which again has like a, a aliveness to it, but it's really slow. These molecules are like really stiff and tight together. And to get them to be like pliable and malleable, you have to heat them up and cool them off in a certain way to get them sort of spongy so that you can bend the metal. Food is so much more malleable and so much more alive and reacts to air and cold and heat. Sure. And I just, I love all those attributes. You can see I yeah. get like passionate about it. I have to manipulate these materials and understand, you know, their language and what makes them move sure. and work with it. deeper is that for me, it also um, matters emotionally how you step up to the stove. It's, you know... It's even like when you put your apron on, you know, the, mm-hmm. when you're tying your apron. I remember seeing the movie, was it 
mm, I'm forgetting which movie it is. It's a foreign film where there's a woman chef in it. And Babette's Feast? I think it's Babette's Feast. And she walks up to the stove, puts her apron on, and you can tell whoever was the, you know, consultant on that one, like, got that right. Like, taught her how you're sort of, you're wrapping oh, yourself, yeah. in, you know, you're like strapping yourself in to get ready to be at the stove. And, sure. I, and I used to just love that, you know, and then you tire, and then you fold down the waistband. Mm-hmm. Like, that sort of a ritual Kind of like clearing your voice before you're about to yes. sing something. That's a great analogy. And I love the ritualisticness sure. of yes. what we do. Yep. You know, there's a lot of that about right. it that I get proud of. Well, I have to share a really exciting side note. I actually interviewed on Kitchen Chat the chef for Babette's Feast. The consultant? Yes. No, the actual chef. Oh, oh the chef that she... Yes, that, oh. that prepared it. And, and here is the fun insight, and a lot of people don't know this. His dad was a royal pastry chef of... Um, Denmark and Copenhagen. Oh, really? And anyway, he actually has a place in southern Illinois. Uh, Leslie Sorensen is his name. And the reason that they had, he was formerly a, formerly a pastry chef. Okay. The reason they had him on there is the star who was playing the chef, Babette, and Babette's Feast. Right did not like like escargot and all of the food she was preparing. So everything was marzipan. And oh, he made it. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. He had to recreate it all yes. in marzipan. Yes. You're an icon in the food business. You're a woman that pioneered. I remember being in culinary school and hearing about Gail Gann. And you're still so current. Right. You're like, yes. you've got all of these cookbooks. You've got all of these amazing products. You're current. You're, you're always on the edge. Tell that's, a budding chef how you, you did that. Well, first, I just want to respond to, you know, there's this whole generation of chefs and pastry chefs that grew up watching me on right. TV. I was one and of them. it's so fun. They come up to me. You know, they're like now 25 and all shiny and tall and, you know, the best looking they'll ever be in their lives. And they'll say to me that the reason they went into pastry or went into restaurants was because of me. Mm. And it might be that, you know, they were in fourth grade and their teacher used to put my show on while they were waiting for the bus. There's a whole lot of that. Like, I have these sort of areas of people who watched my show, and one was school kids while they were waiting for the bus. Teachers would put my show on because it was, I guess, kept their attention. One is um, there's this whole batch of women who were either nursing or recovering from knee or hip surgery that would wash me in the afternoon. So I get people like, you got me through my, you know, my, my rehab. And then there's this prison in Miami that watches me, it used to watch me every day, and I hear from them through letters. I'm also apparently giant in the Philippines. And I don't just, I don't mean height-wise, but... I was recently in the Philippines, and there's a billboard of Gail Gale. Right. No, 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 no I'm like Elvis in the Philippines. Wow. Sweets and sugar are huge in oh, the Philippines, yeah, and cake sure. decorating is sure. really big. So my show, apparently, I think it's still on. Like, it went on for years. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like Elvis. In so you've stayed relevant. Mm-hmm. And, and you've... Ju- you know, when I was... I started culinary school a little bit later in life. I was uh, just about to turn 30. And I got in late, too. Yeah. I committed my... It was a birthday present to myself. I really wanted to cook. My parents were not into it. They're like, oh, gay, you know, restaurant business. Like, it's not very reliable. My dad was a folk singer, I mentioned. I'm like, dad, you're a folk singer. He goes, well, you know, and a jazz trumpet player. Like, like that justified, you know, him criticizing business I wanted to get into because uh-huh. it was unreliable. So by the time, this is like I'm 19 when I do that. So eight years later, 
I decide, you know what, I just, I got to do what I love. So Gail, this, this is, is this inspires another question. Did you have a moment like you're, yes. you're at home yes. and okay. Wait, t- are you talking about my calling? My moment yeah. where, oh yeah, what totally. So I was a waitress for, mm. and I give great waitress. I was a waitress at this vegetarian restaurant for like a month in college. I'm 19. I'm an art student. I'm starving. I'm eating like dandelions and, you know, oh onion bouillon for dinner. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll work in a restaurant for the family meal of it. And after about a month there, one of the line cooks does a no show, no call. Which in our business, like, mm-hmm. if you're sick, like, you don't call like, oh, I need a personal health day. Like, we don't have that in our business. Either you're, like, in jail or you're dead, you know, or you're just quitting and mm-hmm. so you don't show. So we lost a line cook that night. My manager looks at me and says, Gail, can you cook? And I said, no, I'm from the North Shore of Chicago. You know, we make reservations. We don't cook. And she threw an apron at me and she said, you can cook now. Get in the kitchen. So I was literally forced into the kitchen. So I always say, like, I didn't pick the restaurant business. Like, it picked me. It hasn't unpicked me yet is sort of the answer to your first question. Right. So I go on the hotline. I am terrified for about six seconds. And then, and I get choked up every time I talk about it. Mm -hmm. Second number seven, I have this weird sense of calm come over me. Like, Like I had found my home. And like I was speaking a language I was fluent in, but I I don't remember learning it. Oh, we're both crying. Is it like we're, was it like that for you? Yeah, it was. It was. And I, that's the night I run home and I call my dad. And I'm like, guess what? I know what I want to do. I want to be a chef. And my dad's like, well, gay. I guess everybody's got to eat. Like that was his very supportive. I'm t- I'm tearing up. Yeah, I'm this is up. Um, this the thing though I want to add is my dad was actually absolutely right. I mean, the tone could have been nicer, but everyone does have to eat. Right. And later, you know, as you get older, your parents get smarter, it seems. I thought, you know what? Maybe what he meant was I'm picking this thing that sort of touches everybody. It's like a universal need. Like you can't survive without food. Yeah. Music, you could live without it if you had to. Food, no. Right. So maybe he was saying, you know, you're picking something that's just so fundamental. You know, go out there and feed people. And so I do. So I do. And I love this. And I'm going to try not to get emotional now right. because I, I'm not a Where's chef. The and I've not. I know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm not a chef. <laughs> I'm an aspiring home chef. But my moment in the kitchen was one that Jamie shared with me in Anne Willen's kitchen. That's and she is the founder, and I'm getting goosebumps, of La Varenne Cookery in Paris, where you where went. I went to school. And I'm getting goosebumps. Look at this. So while Jamie and I were sitting in, in Anne Willen's kitchen, I started crying because she mm. had from the ceiling copper pans hanging. And one was the exact same one that my father oh. would use to make hollandaise sauce. And remember how which, emotional. Which, which kind of, if you look at that, that means your father was a pretty sophisticated oh, oh, he cook. Was, he was. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's why I do Kitchen Chat. Is I'm on this midlife culinary journey, honoring my late father, trying to learn how to cook. I'm so grateful. We should have made hollandaise today. Yes, <laughs> do you have the pan? You don't have the pan. I don't. Do I don't have the pan. Yeah. But I made it in my kitchen one try, and it 
worked. It was a little runny, and I emailed Anne. I said, Anne, here's a picture of the hollandaise sauce I made. <laughs> and I said, it was a little runny. And, it, yeah. and she said, I was at an event once, and Julia, Julia Child, called her on stage saying, Anne, Anne, where are you? I need help with my hollandaise sauce. <laughs> She's the hollandaise queen. And I didn't mention today that I cooked with Julia Child. So I was in baking with Julia and oh, did a couple shows with her. Wow. And I think of Anne William as sort of the Julia Child of Britain. Person. You know, yes. that's what, they're almost morphed in my brain as, no, as she's one magical. Person. I'll never yes. forget when we went there that day. We're yeah. sitting there in, in her home, Margaret God, and I. You're so lucky. And she has, like, it's. It just it oh. just gives you chills. When yeah. You're in and she put down a teacup in front of me with all of these music notes around it, not knowing not who I was knowing. at all. But oh I travel with musicians, and I love music. And I felt very, very connected to her. And her and I, all of us, mm-hmm. we were resonating on a very high level. Yeah. She gave me the, the mother to um, her red wine vinegar that day, and I brought it mm-hmm. home, and I shared it with many chefs in Chicago. Um, but that was a special day, and she referenced you she did. that day. She did. Should I ask what she said? Very positive. No. Very positive. <laughs> like, that could mean anything. And I have it on tape because oh, we had a kitchen chat. Well, and you know, for me, so I went highly. to Laveran over the course of two years, and it really legitimized me. When people say, oh, where'd you go to culinary school? And I say Laveran in Paris. You know, no more questions are asked. What is your favorite sauce to make? Sauce soubise. And I feel funny that I have a favorite sauce. And what is sauce? You're not supposed to have a favorite sauce. So, um, sauce is actually um, an onion sauce. So, it comes from a bechamel, but then it has sort of slow cooked onions that are slightly, they get slightly sweet because you're converting the carbohydrates to sugar um, and then pureeing the whole thing. So, yeah, I would say that sauce is my favorite. If there's one thing you've learned, one Mm. thing that you've learned along this road that we speak of, what would be the one thing? To, to tell that cook, that future great cook, that passionate person that wants to get involved with cooking, what would be the one thing that you've learned about the business and you've learned about yourself that can just give them an ingredient to a successful recipe to the cooking life? I think there's actually two things. Okay, great. Okay, I, I do too. So the first thing is whenever your chef asks you if you can do something, just say yes. So, you know, the line in a, in a kitchen is we chef, you know, yes, chef, just say yes. And you'll figure it out. You know, I was cooking in a hotel in upstate New York and my chef came to me. He's like, Gail, do you make croissant? I'm like, yes, chef. (laughs) I had never made croissant in my life. I said, yes. I went home that night. I made nine different recipes. I stayed up, pulled an all-nighter. I taught myself how to do laminated doughs. I baked up all these different croissants. I figured out which was the best recipe. I combined a few. And when I went to work the next day and my chef, Greg Broman, said to me, oh, Gail, I need you to make those croissants we talked about yesterday. I'm like, no problem, chef. And I had it. So just say yes, and then you'll figure out how to be successful. You'll figure it out. You'll learn it. You'll find, you know, and now, I mean, we didn't have the internet then to, like, go look up my recipes. I I had to, like, have nine books. (laughs) I did that today. So just always say yes, and know that yourself will come through for yourself. You will figure it out. And then the second thing I would say is always wear comfortable shoes. Because if your feet hurt, like, you're not happy. You're well fed. Right. You're in a family. My brother used to joke, it's a circus family, you know, and we all right. move together and we all quit mm-hmm. together and stuff like that. But it's a bit of a, you know, the island of misfit toys. But you have, you have this great tribe or this great community or family that you're functioning within. You're working really hard. 
Um, you're supporting each other. I actually got the opportunity to work in an all-female kitchen at one point. Wow, that's amazing. It was, I worked at Jams in New York for Jonathan Waxman in 1985. Oh. And I don't think it was by design that he only hired women. But we had an all-female kitchen run by Stephanie, who was the chef de cuisine there. And it was so interesting to see how that dynamic is different. And it is. I would love hmm. to say it's not. But it is different. And there is this sort of checking on your neighbor. You know, do you got your prep list done? Do you need help with, you know, peeling those carrots? Mm -hmm. At family meal, we'd all check in with each other and see if anyone was sort of, you know, in the weeds, as we say. Mm -hmm. And then we'd jump in and help that person. We'd unweed them. We'd get unweeded. Um, So there was this, you know, real, like, we functioned as one big sort of litter Almost, <laughs> you know, like we moved in <laughs> as a pack. We were like a pack. Wow. Right. Um, and you get that in the restaurant business. And it, it feels good. Yeah. You know, I oh. suspect that a lot of the people in the biz come from families that are dysfunctional, right. possibly. Mm. So you get to pick a new family. Right. And if you just can't stop thinking about food and That's cooking. Me. And I just, you know, I'd go to work when I was a waitress. I'd go to work early because there was a library there. And I'd go to work like two hours early and just sit there and read cookbooks. It's like all I all I wanted. Margaret, what have you uh, learned? Did you learn anything from Gail today? Oh, I I am so excited! I cannot wait to share the video of preparing the little shrimp. Mm. And I love how you describe them, where the the peppers were the open. Peppers like a boat. The, yes, those little sweet peppers. You know, <laughs> so the, they great. come in like red, orange, and yellow. You cut them in half. Yes. So there's your container for yes. your shrimp. And then we put the shrimp in. And then Jamie said, "We'll wrap the sail of bacon <laughs> around <laughs> it." I just went with. The and then the mast was the and then it sailed onto the cooking sheet exactly. and it was fabulous well, we went anyone can do it but that was special that oh, yes okay. yes right. for the journey and yes. Yes. three ingredients yeah you know things don't have to be complicated i was I, looking at your food and it was so simple and it was that three ingredients. Mature. yeah it was yeah, very elegant the way is. you yes. did that and i thought to myself you know I would have added a bit of that and a bit, a bit of that. I thought and a bit that of you that. had like add-ons ready to go. I did, I did. Yeah. But it was when I tasted your food, mm-hmm. I really tasted those ingredients, and they really danced really well together. So you taught me something today oh, too. Wow. Yeah. I, you know, yes. and I think part of that's a result of I, I mentioned I've been cooking for like four decades. So in the early '90s, I worked for Charlie Trotter, mm-hmm. and that was a menu that like almost spilled over to the second page because the list of ingredients was so long. And the reaction to that, when we did True, our fancy pants fine dining restaurant that I did with my husband, Rick Tremonto at the time, he's my ex-husband now, but Rick and I both worked at Trotters. And when we came off of that, we're like, you know what, we're going to do sort of the the Chanel trick. We're going to design a dish, we're going to look at the ingredients, and we're going to take one ingredient away. Like, you know how... She would yeah. say, like, dress, yeah, exactly. put, put exactly. on, like, accessorize, and then take one thing off. And we were doing that with food because we felt like chefs had just gotten to this point where, like, sure. you know, day boat scallop with, there's, like, a, this list, this arsenal of 17 ingredients. And, hmm. you know, I'm hmm. not sure people cared yeah. or that it mattered or that you even tasted the stuff. So I was like, okay, what does this dish really need to, to so be funny. itself? I love that you're talking to me about this because when you had that simple 
bowl. It was a pepper, a shrimp, and bacon wrap. Right. That was so it. So that's where I'm at and now. I tasted, I'm like I tasted the pepper and the juice of the pepper and the juice of the pepper and the and the the bacon does the, the bacon. salting for you. Yes. Right, exactly. You know, the, it seasoned itself. Yeah, it seasoned it like the pea dip was the same way yeah, exactly. where we added. What was the salt element? Well, that I actually added salt. I'm thinking, no, it was the the Brazilian cheese bread. Oh, and where, like the parm so is the salt. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I love, ingredients are like double timing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love these lessons today. Just say we mm-hmm. and Chanel cuisine. <laughs> so you've created Take one that. ingredient away. I love yes. making life less complicated. I love being in the culinary field. I think this is a great conversation yes. today because it's so real, and that's mm. the thing about you that I love the most is that out of all the chefs that I've met, I really mean this. You are so down. You are so easy to talk to. Mm-hmm. You're so real. And I think that comes through not only with your food, but through your personality. The restaurant bubble is so big right now. There's so many options, so many, so many places to go that it's almost confusing for me. I'd like you to answer, like, do you think the restaurant bubble is like bursting or about to burst? I don't, I don't think it's over because you're getting Mm -hmm. like a new generation of, you know, young talent, talented chefs. And a lot of them worked for us at True. Mm -hmm. Like Chris Pandel was in the Boca group. And I mean, there's just people out there that are, who get it and are having fun. Like we're having, I can't keep track of them all though. So I have my, I can't keep track. My traveling sous chef, Kathy Skutaki. I just text Kathy. I'm like, where should I eat? Like I went to French room yesterday who are doing their own, you know, mustards and curing of fish and their own pastrami. And so I have a person who is younger than me that kind of keeps abreast to all that stuff and keeps right. me I think, I think relative. today, even socially, people are so connected with the Instagram and the Facebook right. and the Instagram live and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Do you do that? Um, I do some of it. Um, but I was, what I was going to say is at the same time, you kind of have to be true to your own interests. So I was doing, um, what did I do? I did a pastry class. Oh, it was the Great British Bake Off pastry class. And we learned three desserts that you should know pretending you were going to be a contestant on the Great British Bake Off, which I love that show. Mm -hmm. So it's like, don't go into that tent without knowing these three desserts. So one was sticky toffee pudding. Hmm. You should know. It's from the Lake District from Cheryl Bay. And like, that's a standard English dessert. Hey, what was the other one? I'm forgetting the second one right now. I was thinking about banoffee pie this morning. That Ooh, might be one, yum. you know, on Millionaire Sharpbread. I mean, there's a bunch yeah. of them that you really, like, should know. Yeah. But the, one of the ones, oh, one was Bakewell Tart, okay. which is a frangipan tart, but it's got a layer of raspberry jam between the crust and the frangipan filling. I just filling. <laughs> so the third one was Victoria Sponge. Like, ah. that's the classic. It's almost like a Genoise in mm. France. The English version of that is is a... Victoria sponge and it's a just a yellow cake made with self-rising flour but the royal wedding was coming up so and we found out it had been revealed what the flavors were going to be so it was going to be lemon and elderflower is what Megan and Harry had chosen so we did a elderflower soak on the Victoria sponge with lemon curd in between. Yum. So we were celebrating, you know, pre, we're getting ready for the wedding like a month in <laughs> advance. And you can see, I mean, I, I lived in England for three years. I cooked for the royal family. I did afternoon tea for the queen. Like oh I just, I have this thing for, 
grids. <laughs> yes. Course. So, I mean, part of it is sort of like tapping into what excites you and clearly, you know, yes. the royal wedding cake. Though there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's talk about it. Like some, some of my cake decorator friends were not pleased. Oh, really? hmm. Yes, they said it was not royal wedding quality. Gary Vincent's not happy with the royal wedding cake. But anyway, oh, wow. we, we echoed the flavors. We, you know, sort of celebrated the, this union, which is one of the cool things about being a pastry chef. You get to help people celebrate these moments mm. that, where they want to stop wow. time. I never really thought about that. And yeah. mark them. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I'm a You're part special. of yeah, people's. Sure they're like, we had our wedding. It's, and you made the cake. Oh. And I was here. You know, or I got engaged at your restaurant. And you made the dessert that the, that the engagement ring was in. Like, I'm a part of these moments in people's yeah, lives. It's such a privilege. It's like, it's kind of like you don't think about those things. And now that you're, you know, you don't realize them until someone says it. And yeah. I, I know and I resonate with that a lot. Being, I'm sure I, people come up to you and sure. be like, you're the one yeah, that, right, you know, right, right. when many, I beat cancer, many, I came right, right, in your, right, exactly. you know, I had your whatever dish. Yeah, exactly. And it's well, how I celebrated getting my appetite back. Right, and, right, right. Yes. And so you're as a part chef, of that. As you're, a, that's a good, yeah, that's you're a in people's lives having, helping them mark these moments it's a super privileged thing that you know i didn't know that was part of the deal but i feel very um fortunate Aww. that i'm in people's lives helping them and mark you these moments. create taste memories right. you know oh. as chefs you create taste oh. memories you really so do what would be three tips and i always like to kind of wrap up each kitchen chat with three top tips for the home chef when i go to the grocery store to figure out what i'm making for dinner that night because I pretend I'm French and, you know, we're just shopping for the day. I look for what speaks to me. Many things speak to me, but, um, and I've been thinking about this lately. When I cook for people who aren't chefs, you know, there's kind of some pressure. Like my, my daughter Ruby was asking me yesterday, we were going, we were going, oh, we were going over to our friend Cornelia and Jim's house. Mom, what are you going to bring? I'm like, I don't know. And it's got to be enough and it's got to be great. And then she's like, do you feel pressure when you go to someone's house? I'm like, hmm, I guess kind of like, I feel oh, there's like, an expectation. yeah, there is. And then the next day we were going to visit Dan and Steve, yeah. the Hardy boys at their Michigan house. Oh, yeah. And when I'm doing something with them, my ideas just fly. I'm like, oh, I got to bring that salami and let's do that ricotta with honey. And, you know, oh, I've got three steaks in the freezer. Let's grab those. And then I've got that hummus. But I don't, like the ideas just flow. So when I'm cooking with chef friends, I'm realizing this, like the whole nervous thing goes away. I agree with that. Huh. Yeah, you yeah, have that too. I, I, agree, I would I agree think the home chef, I would be so nervous cooking with a chef. You don't have to be because you know. No, well. <laughs> We don't get invited. We'll anymore. eat anything. Yeah, we well, don't. Tomato soup. And my best, one of my best friends, my friend Karen Katz, who tests a lot of my recipes. The first night I met her, and she knew I was a chef. She's like, "Hey, do you want to stay for dinner?" I said, "What are you having?" She goes, "Salmon burgers." Like, I was so happy that anyone would cook anything for me, and I'd never had a salmon burger. I didn't know what that was. So our friendship is like based on this initial feeding. It has to do with her not being self-conscious. I don't know how you get that kind of yeah. self-esteem, though. But, we're yeah, we're just happy to be get fed because we're usually starving. What were the two other two? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm I don't so know if you got three. Yeah. When you're shopping, Walk around the store and seats. see what speaks to you. Don't be afraid of leftovers because oh. I love leftovers. I think leftovers are great. Delicious. Um, and they're mm-hmm. even sort of like, you know, <laughs> mystery basket-ish. Mm-hmm. Like, again, open the fridge and be like, 
okay, I've got some kava tapi and I've got some smoked salmon left. The other night I found like snap peas and I had like one crab leg, you know, and like all these bits and pieces and it made a great pasta. So right. don't be afraid to sort of like piece your leftovers together to make something new out great of them. Tip. Yes. Perfect. And then we need a third tip. And we can't use the comfortable shoes already, right? Oh, the comfortable right? shoes. That's <laughs> Be comfortable in the kitchen. Be comfortable in the kitchen. I, I think let people help you, which uh, I can sort of... I love a good dishwasher, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I love yeah. a good dishwasher. And I've got one at home. Thank you so much Thank for you. being on Kitchen Chat today. I love this special toast that you taught our group today. Can you share yeah. it with the viewers and listeners yes. of Kitchen and Chat? And even though I've done it more than three times, I'm still going to give credit to who it comes from. So Steve McDonough <laughs> of the Hardy Boys um, who has a, a cocktail book, he's a mixologist, has a bunch of toasts in the back of the book, like, you know, to our wives and girlfriends, may they never meet, stuff like that. You know, <laughs> sounds funny, but this one's really useful. The toast is Takato Uno, Takato Tutti, which means I touch one, I touch all. So if you're in a large group, like where you can't reach everybody, you can just touch one glass, and then your job is to touch the other glass, and your job is to touch the next one. And we've all kind of clinked then I without having that. to. So, Takato Uno, Takato Tutti. Yes. Cheers to you, dear foodie friends. Thank you so much for joining us on this journey on Kitchen Chat. Make sure you visit Chicago Merchandise Mart here at the Viking and La Cornue showroom and meet Chef Jamie Larita. Check Gail Gann's fabulous cookbooks. I'll make sure I have links. And always remember to take a moment and savor the day. Thanks for joining Margaret for Kitchen Chat today. Margaret would be so excited for you to drop by and visit with her at kitchenchat.info, where you'll enjoy podcasts, blogs, recipes, tips from chefs, and even great giveaways. She invites you to share your recipes and kitchen stories, too. As Margaret always says, savor the day.